You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly. My name is Heather. Thanks for being here with me this week. This week's lesson covers Matthew 19 and 20, Mark 10, and Luke 18. And it was kind of nice this week having a little bit less to read after last week, having so much to study and so much to think about. But although this lesson was a little shorter as far as content, it still made me think a lot, and I feel like I got a lot out of it this week. The first section says, marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God. In the family proclamation, it says, the family is ordained of God. Marriage between man and woman is essential to his eternal plan. Children are entitled to birth within the bonds of matrimony and to be reared by a father and a mother who honor marital vows with complete fidelity. Now that's the ideal. That's our Heavenly Father's ideal. And we all know that life is sometimes not ideal, but that's what we're going for. That's our goal. I find it really interesting. I teach primary and I'm teaching this lesson this week to a group of seven-year-olds. And one of the things they have us do in the lesson is to hold up a picture of a man and a woman who are getting married. And that when I say that people are created male and female, they're supposed to point to the boy and to the girl. And then I'm supposed to explain that our Heavenly Father wants men and women to be married together. I just thought that was pretty interesting that we have to explicitly spell that out to the little kids, that that's actually Heavenly Father's plan. I looked up some of the references in the lesson about this particular topic, and I found this quote by Brigham Young, which I really liked. You have to be careful with Brigham Young. He's, he's a funny guy, but I really like this quote by him. He says, let the father and mother who are members of this church and kingdom take a righteous course and strive with all their might never to do a wrong, but to do good all their lives. If they have one child or 100 children, if they conduct themselves towards them as they should, binding them to the Lord by their faith and prayers, I care not where those children go. They are bound up to their parents by an everlasting tie, and no power of earth or hell can separate them from their parents in eternity. They will return again to the fountain from whence they sprang. I love that quote. I think that kind of sums it up right there. That's the promise that we have from our Heavenly Father. If we do the best we can, if we make covenants and try to keep those covenants, we can have these blessings. We can be reunited with our families in the eternities. And that is a great blessing. To me, it's one of the greatest blessings that we have to know that this life is not the end. And because of our Savior Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to be with our families and the people that we love the most forever. I don't really want to say a lot more about this topic because I feel like my life is different than other people's. My circumstances are different, and I don't want to come across as insensitive or judgy. But I would recommend in the lesson it says, study marriage and gospel topics at topics.lds.org. And then um, when I went to that link, I found a lot of good resources. There's a lot you can read and study. There's a lot of pretty direct statements in there. So I'm just going to leave that right there. The next section of the lesson says, did Jesus teach that divorce is never acceptable or that divorced people should not remarry? Okay, the short answer to that question is no, he did not. (laughs) Um, Again, I don't have much to say about that. I haven't been divorced and I certainly am not going to comment on anyone who has or their reasons for it. I think that in studying this topic for me, the thought that kept coming to my mind was, where is your heart? What are your reasons for the things you're doing? And I think that's just something that we need to look at in every aspect of our lives. Elder Bednar came to our stake a few weeks ago and spoke, and he talked about a lot of great things, but one of the topics that he had, I felt really related to some of the things in this lesson. He said that Satan hates three things. He hates the fact that he doesn't have a body. 
that he can't have an eternal companion, and that he can't have a family. And if you look at the world today, what are the things that are being so mercilessly attacked all the time? Society tries to make gender irrelevant, the sanctity of marriage is attacked all the time, and the family unit itself is under attack. I was thinking about a few years ago, I remember a political ad that talked about how children don't belong to their parents, they're part of the collective. And now you have things like abortions being allowed up to full term. Pornography is just rampant in every aspect of our media. You really have to try hard to stay away from it. People have body image issues. You have face filters that distort how you actually look because apparently how you were created isn't quite good enough. There's just a lot of scary stuff going on in the world. But isn't it nice that we know where to find the real source of truth and that we know how to find peace in our lives no matter what's going on around us? The next section of the lesson deals with the account of the rich young man when he came to Jesus and basically asked him what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And the Savior talked about the commandments and the young man said, yes, I'm following all of those. And Jesus said, okay, then take everything that you have and sell it and come follow me. And then the man went away sad because that was a lot to ask. And in my reading, I found somewhere that it said that this young man was prepared to ask the question, but he wasn't prepared to follow up with the answer. And I thought that was pretty interesting. To be quite honest, this section of the lesson gave me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> and it was pretty intimidating to me. Um, I didn't want to ask the Lord what I lack because I'm afraid he'll tell me <laughs> and it's going to be an answer that I don't want to hear. And I was really kind of having some angst about this. And then I went through the lesson and found this talk by Larry Lawrence entitled, What Lack I Yet? And if you feel like me intimidated about this topic, you should read this talk because it brought me a lot of peace and it kind of put the whole thing in perspective for me. He says, the journey of discipleship is not an easy one. It has been called a course of steady improvement. As we travel along that straight and narrow path, the spirit continually challenges us to be better and to climb higher. The Holy Ghost makes an ideal traveling companion. If we are humble and teachable, he will take us by the hand and lead us home. In this account in the scriptures, it talks about how Jesus beheld this man. And I think it means that more than he just looked at him, I think he looked at his heart and he knew this man and knew where he was at in his life and knew what he needed to hear. And what he needed to hear and what I need to hear are two totally different things. I think that the same thing will happen when we ask that question, how can we do better? The Lord knows us individually and he can tell us individually the things that we need to work on. In the lesson, it says, what can you do to prepare to ask the Lord what you lack and to accept his answer? And I like that. Um, it talks about preparing to ask the question. In Elder Lawrence's talk, he gives this example. He says, a humble young man who couldn't seem to find the right young woman went to the Lord for help. What is keeping me from being the right man? He asked. This answer came into his mind and heart. Clean up your language. At that moment, he realized that several crude expressions had become part of his vocabulary and he committed to change. Now, I love that example because it shows the kind of attitude we need to have to be ready to ask this question. This young man didn't go to the Lord and say, please send me a girlfriend or how can I get a girlfriend? He said, how can I be the right man? In other words, he was humble. He was ready for himself to change so that things could go better in his life. Going on in Elder Lawrence's talk, he says, The Holy Ghost doesn't tell us to improve everything at once. If he did, we would become discouraged and give up. 
The Spirit works with us at our own speed, one step at a time, or as the Lord has taught, line upon line, precept upon precept. So these examples made this whole process a lot less intimidating and scary to me because I feel like if we go to the Lord with a humble heart and we really want to know how we can change in our lives or how we can improve some things, he will tell us and he'll tell us on our level and at our speed. He's not going to ask us to just change everything overnight. He can take us who we are, where we're at, and help us to change in the best way that we can. And the last part of Elder Lawrence's talk that I wanted to share says, If spiritual growth is not a priority in our lives, if we are not on a course of steady improvement, we will miss out on the important experiences that God wants to give us. And I think that's the point of this life, isn't it? For us to continually grow and continually change and try to become better. The last section of this lesson talks about the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. The master of the vineyard needed people to work, and so in the morning he went out and hired some laborers and told them what their wage would be for the day. Well, throughout the day, he needed more people to work, so he would go out and get more people and more people, and even at the last hour, he went out and found more people to work and to come in. And at the end of the day, when he got everyone together to pay them, it turns out that they all received the same wage no matter how long they'd been working. Well, some of the people who worked at the beginning of the day weren't very happy with this arrangement. And in verse 13 of Matthew 20, the master of the vineyard answers their protests and says, But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take thine, that is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. So then in the lesson, I'd ask the question, can you relate to the experience of any of the laborers in the vineyard? And honestly, my first reaction to that question was no, I really don't. (laughs) I didn't really get anything out of that because I look at the people who were hired first. They had the security of knowing that they were going to work for the whole day and be paid. And you have the people out there waiting to be hired. I mean, they weren't just being lazy. I'm sure they had families to feed and were pretty stressed out about how they were going to accomplish this if they didn't have any work. And so I don't really envy them because they were out there waiting all day with a lot of anxiety where the other people had more security. Well, I figured there must be more to this than I was seeing at first glance. So I went to the talk that's in the lesson. It's called The Laborers in the Vineyard by Jeffrey R. Holland from the April 2012 conference. And it gave me a new perspective on this. Here's what Elder Holland says. He says, Brothers and sisters, there are going to be times in our lives when someone else gets an unexpected blessing or receives some special recognition. May I plead with us not to be hurt and certainly not to feel envious when good fortune comes to another person. We are not diminished when someone else is added upon. We are not in a race against each other to see who is the wealthiest or the most talented or the most beautiful or even the most blessed. The race we are really in is the race against sin, and surely envy is one of the most universal of those. Our Heavenly Father really is aware of each one of us, and He blesses each of us with different things at different times according to what we need. And I have a little experience I can share about that. A couple weeks ago, I got a call one night from my daughter who's at college, and she was really upset. She was having a hard day, having a hard week. And things in her life were just not going the way that she thought they should be going. So we talked it through. I told her everything was going to be okay. And she calmed down and was okay. And then we got off the phone. She texted me a few minutes later and said that after we got off the phone, she got out of her car and was walking through the parking garage. And she saw one of her friends from her ward. 
And the girl came up to her and said, oh, are you okay? And my daughter said, yes, I'm okay. And the girl said, well, I just want you to know that Heavenly Father loves you and the Savior loves you. And they talked for a minute and my daughter left feeling so happy. And two seconds after that, a boy texted her, which also made her happy. And so she texted me a few minutes later and just said, I feel bad for feeling so bad about all of these things. Heavenly Father knows me. He knows what I need and he's looking out for me. In Elder Holland's talk, he goes on to say, Don't hyperventilate about something that happened at 9 in the morning when the grace of God is trying to reward you at 6 in the evening, whatever your labor arrangements have been through the day. You know, I think it's a pretty common thing for us to look around at everyone around us and think that everyone else's life is so much better than ours, that everyone's doing great, their families are perfect, things are going so good, where our lives might not be going that way. I think that's especially common when we go to church because at church, we're all there to look our best and act our best. And you might go to church and look around and think, wow, I am a mess. (laughs) I've done that many times. But you know, over the past three years, I was the first counselor in our Words Relief Society presidency. And one thing that I got to know in that calling is that everyone struggles. Every single person has a struggle. That's just life. We're here to struggle and to make it through those struggles with the help of our Savior and our Heavenly Father. And I think it's important to know that if you are struggling and you feel like you're too far gone or far beyond the Savior's reach, that you are not. And I want to leave with this quote from the talk by Elder Holland. He says, I do not know who in this vast audience today may need to hear the message of forgiveness inherent in this parable, but however late you think you are, however many chances you think you have missed, however many mistakes you feel you have made or talents you think you don't have, or however far from home and family and God you feel you have traveled, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. It is not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines we can do this you guys we can and it's gonna be okay I want to thank you all so much for joining me this week the subject matter in this lesson was intense hopefully next week it won't be so bad thanks so much have a great week everyone